When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to The 3-0 Show, part of The Athletic Baseball Show. It is Thursday, June 23rd. Derek Riper, Eno Saris, Bertrolli, whole band back together on this Thursday. On this episode, we will discuss the Tampa Bay Rays. What should we make of this team? Lots of injuries so far to important players. It's a very crowded AL East as expected. Are they going to be a team that's on the rise in the second half as they get healthier? What kinds of moves could they make? We're going to talk about the Cleveland Guardians, a team that I think we've mostly ignored, at least on Thursdays on this show for most of this season. They're exceeding expectations right now. Got a big Brewers Cardinals series going down in Milwaukee. And back by popular demand, we have another installment of Fun With Numbers. But it's a two-player edition. It's not a solo effort. Britt had to go solo last week, and I will say going solo under that spotlight is much harder than going head-to-head with Eno. So we begin with the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that I think we all expected to be a little better than they are. They're still good. They're right in the thick of things with the Jays and the Red Sox clearly behind the Yankees right now. Multiple questions could be in play here. Can anyone catch the Yankees? Maybe that's a question for another day. But when you start looking at where the Rays are at right now, they've got a below average offense this season, a 96 WRC plus. Pitching staff is 10th in war, Fangraph's war. Wander has missed time. He's coming back soon. Brandon Lau's been on the IL. Got hurt on May 15th, still a few weeks away. Really important offensive player for them. Not a guy that gets a ton of national attention. Mike Zanino might have thoracic outlet syndrome. It looks like Manuel Margot tore his ACL this week, crashing into the wall. And they've had some pitching injuries, too. They've already missed Shane Boz for a good chunk of the season. Fortunately for them, he is back. Rasmussen's hurt right now. And Luis Patino got hurt in his first inning of the season and is just getting close to maybe coming back from the 60-day IL in the near future. So they're among the teams that you could say has been through a lot and have actually weathered it reasonably well. But... In this division, what do you make of the Rays as things stand right now, Britt? Yeah, it's tough. Also, Kiermaier went on the IL, too. It's not as significant as Margot, but you're talking about, you know, maybe one of the faces of the Rays. If there is a face of the Rays, it's probably Kevin Kiermaier. And he's not going to probably miss as much time, but left hip inflammation. So that's not great. The, the handsomeness quotient just went down in that, pl- in that clubhouse. Sorry. <laughs> He's a handsome fellow. As long as Eno says it, because if I say it, it's <laughs> right, <weird>. right. <laughs> But yes, absolutely. Huge hit. Huge hit in that category as well. Um, yeah, it just seems like they're usually with the Rays, it's next man up. But they've had so many injuries that we really haven't seen like we've seen in, in prior years with the Rays where they maybe have guys out. And they have guys come up from AAA Durham that nobody's ever heard of that not only fill the spot, but somehow play just as well, sometimes even better than the guy we're replacing. And we haven't seen that this year. 
from Tampa Bay at all. And I don't know, uh, this isn't a knock on Durham and that pipeline because that team consistently wins the Rays at every affiliate, uh, consistently win and develop big league prospects better than pretty much any organization in the big leagues. Um, but I think we're finally seeing maybe a limit to the depth, um, especially because the Yankees have established themselves as so far and ahead of everybody else in the American League East, right? If this was a regular season and the Yankees didn't have 50 wins already, maybe we would feel a little bit better about Tampa Bay. But watching them and then looking at the Yankees team, you have a really hard time believing, all right, the Rays are going to have this Raysian effort here in the second half of the season. I still think Toronto down the stretch poses the biggest risk if there even is a team that poses a risk to the Yankees at this juncture. Yeah, minimum 50 plate appearances. The Rays have uh, four players in the bottom 60 when it comes to batting this year. Um, Vidal Brujan, Mike Zanino, uh, Brett Phillips, and who am I missing? Taylor Walls in there? Taylor Walls, yeah. They have four guys. The uh, Mets and Yankees have two combined. It's their backup catchers. Hmm. So, you know, I think that that is actually a, a big difference when it comes to small market versus big market is depth, you know, because, you know, the Mets can go out and, you know, when they remember when the Yankees signed D.J. LeMahieu and they already had a full starting infield, you know, the, <clears throat> that's the kind of thing that the Mets and Yankees can do is 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 do really quality depth, go four, five, six deep uh, in the outfield and and go four or five deep in the infield with actual players that uh that you know are are proven have a proven track record and you're right Britt. i mean I, I wonder if the changing run environment in the major league level has anything to do with this because um you know and lao who just got brought up josh lao is um uh is just outside that bottom 60 you know he's in the, he's in the next sort of five to ten so um, I, when I look at Lau and when I look at um, Walls in particular, I see guys who have that patient, waiting for the waiting for the blast kind of mentality at the plate. The blasts aren't there with the major league run environment right now. You know the homers are are still down. They're they're creeping up because of the weather, but they're still down. So what if they were developing these players for a run environment that doesn't exist? Uh, that's one thing I wonder about. Or uh, maybe as I think maybe Britt was kind of uh, heading uh, pointing out is that this maybe it's the limit of it doesn't work every year, you know, to just, you know, bring up a bunch of crop of young players. It doesn't work all the time because we know the bust rate on prospects is you're it's about a 50 50 proposition. So if they had been, you know, hitting on most of them in the past, maybe this is just the year that they they miss on their prospects. For me, the thing that's different is just the the importance of the players they've been missing so far has put a bigger strain. What they've needed to get to replace those guys has been a higher bar. I think that's been part of the struggle, especially with Wander now. Like Wander and Lau in particular, they're just a cut above the other regulars in part because of all that mixing and matching. You know, Bruhan not being productive is a little bit of a surprise. I think when I look back at him compared to other prospects with that profile back in the winter. He's always missing the pop. Yeah. I was a little underwhelmed in in that regard, like kind of oh wait, this this is what players who do this in triple A go on to do, even though he steals a lot of bases and, and can get on base at the minor league level, he looks more like a utility guy. I'm surprised Walls hasn't hit more 
That's one of the surprises. Isak Paredes, who they got from the Tigers, had a three-homer game on Tuesday and looks like one of those Rays finds, at least right now. Yeah. We'll see if that it's sticks. It's wild. I looked at his heat maps, and he used to swing at sort of middle-low fastballs. Uh, and the big difference in Tampa is now he's swinging at high and tight fastballs. So you've got a guy who proved who proved that he can make contact. Uh, he can make a decently powerful contact. And you say, hey, for your swing, let's do a Joey Bats thing. You know, let's 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 see if you can be Jose Bautista and just turn on that inside that high and tight pitch and take those yard. Um, and then, you know, use your your <clears throat> pretty good sense of the strike zone and your bat to ball uh, with two strikes to, to keep your batting average high. So, the, you know, I think this change uh, should set off alarm bells for other other teams to be like, oh, this could be a profile that we can look for uh, and, and and increase the power a little bit. So the Paredes thing was huge, but yeah, the fact that Walls, I think Walls is actually the biggest thing because Walls can play any position. If Walls played to his power level in the minor leagues, then he would be a really good backup at any position. In fact, I thought he was going to take third base and be the starter there this year. Yeah, I, I thought there was a chance that was going to happen, too. Maybe once Wander comes back, they move him back over to that spot. I think Josh Lowe just became a lot more important to them. He was back at AAA. Strikeout rate was a little on the high side, but it was a good slash line overall. He's been a patient hitter in the minors. He's shown power. He's shown speed. He's a legitimate center fielder, but now he has to come up, and he has to play better than he did in his first run with the Rays this season. So he's an important guy for them. And then just having better health, luck overall in the second half, right? If they're going to keep the pace with the other AL playoff teams, if they're going to have any chance of closing some of the gap with the Yankees, having a healthier team is going to be a part of that as well. If you want good news, I think it's that they are 37 and 31. They're hanging out. They're in, I think they're in the playoffs right now uh, by the numbers or, or right on the edge. And, uh, now their starting pitching is coming back online, like you mentioned. You know, now Baz and Patino are coming back, and so to be this good with that many uh, pitching injuries in, in the front of the season, um, I think uh, says uh, speaks well to their their ability to 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 do well in the second half. It's just they need Lau. They, they, Lau is now replacing Margot, who is having a breakout season. Really, they need they need Lau. It's Low. Sorry, it's Brandon Lau and Josh Low. I can still see this team being the kind of pain that if they get into the playoffs, teams like the Yankees, teams like the Astros would want nothing to do with them in October. And part of it's the mcclanahan Boz combo. The possibility that maybe by that point in the season, one of Rasmussen or Patino is very healthy and pitching really well. They could have three very good starters, and obviously they mix and match in their bullpen. We've seen them do that in plenty of Octobers. They have lost a couple of relievers. That's kind of just part of the the Rays model, right? Just burning through a few guys. Like Kittredge is hurt. Fire Eisen's hurt right now. Nick Anderson still hasn't come back. I don't know if he's ever going to come back at this point. So, But Jason Adams, step on up. You but know? they find Adam. They get Brooks Rayleigh. Ryan Thompson's still there. Matt Whistler's there right now. Colin is closing out games. like That That part's still intact. That, that part still looks normal. I think most of what we're seeing from the Rays has been bad injury luck, and I think they've actually weathered it pretty well. But whether they actually keep pace with the Jays, the Red Sox, and to some degree – Again, other teams in the AL, that's going to come down to health and it's going to come down to players like Josh Lowe really stepping up because they need to fill that gap. And I think the Rays, 
this is the last thing about the Rays that I think is worth bringing up. I think the Rays are the most difficult team in the league to predict when you're trying to figure out what midseason upgrades they're going to make. Like, Britt, is there a team in the league that you look at and say, I just have no clue what their next move is that wins as often as Tampa Bay does? No, and there's not a team who I feel like makes moves that people kind of pan or say at first that makes no sense. And then consistently, it does make sense, and we all look like idiots more than Tampa Bay. Trading a starting shortstop for two relievers? Well... One of those relievers is a starter, and the other one was really good reliever, you know? Right. Like, everything they do somehow, uh, more often than not, seems to work out for them. But you're right. You look at the contenders, and, you know, it's very simple when you look at what a lot of these teams are going to go out and, and try to get at the deadline. But here we sit uh, about a month before things really heat up, uh, maybe even sooner, depending on what kind of deadline frenzy this is going to be. And I have absolutely no clue what Tampa Bay is going to do which I guess is par for the course. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would guess that like every, you could say a reliever, but you could say that for every team, right? Like every yeah, team yeah, exactly. wants a reliever. Every team needs a reliever. Though some teams like the Mets need relievers more so than others. Like the Blue Jays, I think, need a really dominant late inning guy, right? Um, there are a lot of teams that I think you look at as a need a reliever, and then there's just the default. Well, uh, the other thing is, uh, uh, to me, it's a bat. And I think the nice thing about the way the Rays are constructed is it could be any kind of bat. Versatility helps quite a bit, being able to just go out and get the best available hit hitter that you can get at the most reasonable trade. If return. Trey Mancini is cheap, then it's Trey Mancini. Like they don't need a defensive player. You know, it's it's a little bit different than what we were talking about with was it the Brewers? You know, if they want an offensive upgrade, that offensive upgrade probably has to play defense. Yeah. I would because agree. They've yeah, got center field. and Rowdy, and you know they, you know, unless they're going to be much better than those two, then they've got it. Then they, then, so the bar is higher a little bit. But the Rays, they could get a DH. I mean, they could go get Nelson Cruz again. <laughs> they could try that again every year. Yeah, who's who's been very up and down for for the Nationals. Here's the thing, though, guys. <laughs> if you're in the AL East and you're not the Yankees, do you make a big move at the deadline? Because you're essentially playing for a wild card spot. I think it'll be a small move. I think you still do it because I think. This is the new, it's not just new this year, but newer way of thinking. It's just, just get there. Just get to the postseason and then get hot. Let chaos reign. Let the best part of your roster come through. Do what the Nats did a couple of years ago. Shorten up your rotation. Lean heavily on a few guys and just walk the tightrope at just the right time. And Maybe you can put come Rasmus away with back in the pen and he's the closer again, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think if I had to predict it today... With a week and change to go in June, I would predict that the Jays, the Red Sox, and the Rays are all buyers at the trade deadline next month. Who takes second in this division? And this is a bit of an unfair question because I'm assuming you both expect the Yankees to hold the lead and win the division. So if you think they're going to blow the lead, which would be amazing to watch from afar. I would love to see that happen just from a just eat a the popcorn team and chaos. <laughs> watch the chaos unfold. I don't think it's going to happen either. But who takes second in this division? Who's the second best team in the AL East? Yeah, I said this earlier. I, I continue to believe it's Toronto. I do think they need um, to make some some tweaks here. I think their roster is overall good. A lot of people pegged them as one of the winners of the offseason because they did go out and make impact moves. But I still think they're missing like another dominant late inning reliever. I think that would really help this team kind of get over that hump. They are playing for second place because what has to happen is what happened in the NL East, right? That some team has to do what the Braves did 
win like a million games in a row to even make a dent in this right now. I mean, as we sit here right now, uh, you're talking about double digit games back for every team for all three of these second place teams. It's just really hard to make up. So who are also the leaders in the wild card race? <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> yes. So I mean, now can the Braves overtake the Mets? Like a week ago, you would have said absolutely not, right? But now it's a possibility because the Braves went on such a crazy run. Um, so it, it's not impossible, but I think Toronto is playing for that wild card. They are playing for second place. I think Boston has to me has been so up and down with the season, so inconsistent. Um I still think overall Toronto at full strength is a better team than Boston on paper. Um, so I, I'm going to go with them. And as we said earlier, I don't know what to make of Tampa Bay. I mean, this is a, a division where they're, they're six games up and they're in fourth place. They're only ahead of the Orioles. And they just don't look that impressive. They did hold their own in that recent series against the Yankees. But I just think when you match up all of these teams and all of these rosters, you're picking Toronto's. Yeah, I think they make sense as the the silver medalist in the AL East as well. But we could be looking at a scenario where all four of those teams end up in the postseason because the AL West hasn't played out quite the way some of us had thought. Um, you know, me especially, Angels person over here, guy that believed in the Angels as a team that did somehow have enough pitching and would stay healthy and make good on all the money they've been spending and the star power that they have built up. But uh, looks like a looks like a pretty big miss for me here in the first half of the season looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We should talk about Cleveland for a bit. We talk about the AL Central a lot, and I feel like a lot of those conversations are, are twins and White Sox, but Cleveland's sitting right there tied for first place as games begin on Wednesday. We're recording this uh, late Wednesday morning. There is a six-game difference between Cleveland and, and the Twins right now in terms of games played, so that has a, a lot to still play out just in and of itself. But this is a team that doesn't get a lot of credit for what it's done. It runs the shoestring payroll and has probably the co-favorite for MVP in the AL with Jose Ramirez having a fantastic start to his season. I think the thing they do really well is that they put a ton of balls in play. They're 28th in home runs, though, as a team. So clearly there is a need for some thump in this offense. What they would need to do at the trade deadline is pretty obvious. But as they're built right now, you know, are you buying the Guardians as a legitimate playoff team that could do damage? Or do you think they need to go out and make multiple moves to actually put themselves in that conversation? Well, I, I mean, I doubt they're going to make those moves. I, I don't see them as, as buyers. I see them as trying to build something sustainable. And to some extent, they they are doing that where they're usually okay to good, you know? And that's, this is supposed to be their rebuilding phase and what they're basically in a tie for first place in their division. So 
kudos to what they're doing, but I don't understand exactly how it goes. Like, I, yes, I understand that they have the best strikeout rate in baseball, and that's that's good. Uh, but it's led to exactly league average offense, you know. So they've got this league average offense. It's okay. Makes a lot of contact. Doesn't have any power. Maybe Franmil can can help fix that internally. Um, but uh, then you look over at the pitching side. And there's not really anything that they do in a standout way in the pitching side. They, as a staff, have uh, the 28th best velocity in baseball. And yes, by ERA, uh, they uh, have the 6th best ERA, but uh, it's not really supported by the peripherals. Uh, They don't have one of the better strikeout rates. Uh, They don't have, um, you know, I guess they have one of the better walk rates. Uh, but they also give up homers in a middle-of-the-pack way. So uh, just, uh, I would say, they've made a, a heavy bet on batters that can make contact and pitchers that can uh, command the ball. And uh, it's a guess. It's an old-school baseball team, right? Betting on command and contact? Yeah, I'm with Eno here. I think this is a little smoke and mirrorsy myself. Um, they're They're relying on a really young team first of all which we have seen time and time again um as you get later into the season um these guys get tired the performance goes down or they hit a a rough stretch and they just don't have that kind of veteran ability to be like don't have the the experience yeah they don't yeah yeah and terry francona said it the other day he said i don't think we've got guys on our team who have been in the triple a playoffs let alone the big league playoffs right so I think that kind of makes you say, well, how young is this team, right? And so you kind of look at it from that juncture. And Eno is right. If they were to add, if I was to believe that they were going to go out and spend money at this deadline and get like two or three big bats and really kind of beef this whole thing up, maybe add a veteran pitcher just like or a veteran reliever just to have for that clubhouse presence for when they do have a slide because they're 14 and four in June and you can't expect them to continue to play at this clip. There's going to be ups and downs over a season. If I thought they were going to do that, I'd be a little more bullish on them actually competing in the Central with the Twins, but I just don't see it. This is an organization that prides itself on not just wins, but wins per dollar. That's the big stat in Cleveland. They are efficiency obsessed. And part of that is 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 out of need because they're a small market team, but I just don't see them kind of throwing caution to the wind and going all in here. So I think they're going to end up as this like nice story, this like, Hey, we outperformed expectations, but I don't see them making any kind of real serious noise in the post postseason. Let me, I'm going to put on my nerd hat here real quick because you know, th- one of the things that uh, the nerds used to rally against was this idea of veteran presence. Uh, you know, they would, they would misspell it presence as in TS, you know, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, and sort of rally against it. But there are, a few uh, things that are in the numbers that matter when it comes to veteran presence, which is, um, you know, I wrote a piece about volatility. So, um, and, and the psychology experiment that I participated or helped run in, 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 in school, um, when people are younger, they are more erratic. And this is emotionally, I'm talking about the psychology experiment first. They're more erratic emotionally. As we get older, we generally get better at modulating our emotions. And the way we do that are coping mechanisms. We say, I don't feel good, I'm going for a run. I don't feel good, I'm taking the dog out for a walk. I don't feel good, I'm gonna eat a tub of ice cream. People make fun of coping mechanisms, but they work, 
They make us feel better. We go binge watch, um, you know, something. We do. We know what to do as we get older, and so our emotional experience goes from the teenage years, where it's just like, ah, everything is terrible, everything is great, everything is terrible, to like, you know, as you're older, like, yeah, everything's okay, you know. Yes. Uh, and the same thing actually shows up in baseball. You can measure volatility as the difference between your peaks and valleys. And as you get older, uh, your difference between your peaks and valleys production wise goes down. Now, part of that is because you can't hit the peaks that you used to, but it also means you're not hitting the valleys you used to. You kind of become more predictable. And uh, the, the other thing that I found when I looked at ideal ages uh, for postseason teams and for winning teams, it wasn't the youngest teams. The ideal age was something like 28. Because you have, that means you have some 32-year-olds. You have some players who've been there before. You have established stars. You're not depending all on, on the youth. The Guardians are the youngest team in baseball. Yeah. Um, and when you look at who else is, you know, that young, uh, the only other teams that are below 28 are Cleveland, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. That's what you usually look like when you're when you're that young. Um, so I would just, you know, I'm stuck. I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to say that the whole effort is bad because I do think betting on command and contact is really interesting. Um, but I would say that I think we're still in the rebuild phase. Like, I think this is still, it's like, a, the way I'd say it is, it's a year too early you know, for them. They they need a little bit more. If they become a playoff team this year, I think they would go in as a clear tier two playoff team, right? Compared mm -hmm. to Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Mets, those teams that are just juggernauts that get there, that have the depth, that have everything you're looking for, assuming health in those cases. They'd be that team everyone wants to overlook. What I think they might do because they're frugal and because they've got guys that could make a pretty significant impact, I think we could see a couple of their prospects come up. I think we could see Daniel Espino. I think we could see Logan T. Allen. I think both of those pitchers could come up. They've got some position player prospects knocking on the is, door too. Is a top five yeah. pitching prospect. It's, he's very interesting. So you put those yeah. two guys in the mix, and maybe one's a reliever, one's a starter in the short term. Obviously, there's bright futures for both in the long run. And yeah, Espino looks like a future ace. That changes things a little bit. The bullpen's a top 10 bullpen right now. I just don't see the the hitting prospects like Nolan yes. Jones. Uh, you know, I don't even know if Oscar Gonzalez is. I mean, he he looks really good sometimes, and then he he blew a game for them the other day almost, where he dropped a he dropped a was the third out of the game. Yeah, if they do get into the playoffs, DVR, which they could stumble in, they almost remind me of the Marlins of 2020, right, where they had all that young pitching and just no hitting, no position players to surround themselves with. And people were like, oh, it's a year early for the Marlins. Here they come. And now we have seen what happens and how tough it can be, yeah. right? Uh, so it's such a fine line if you're developed and you're based solely on on that pitching. You better go out and spend. If you're going to grow the arms, you better buy the bats, right? That was a big philosophy of Andy McPhail when he was in Baltimore and, and something I think that he tried to do at other stops. Uh, but it's it's hard. It's really difficult to do. I think, yeah, I think it really depends on how much power they can add to these guys. Yes, it's good mm -hmm. to bet on contact, but you also do need the power. So it really depends on how much Josh Naylor and Oscar Gonzalez, um, you know, and even Stephen Kwan can develop a little bit more power. 
a healthy Reyes will help. They've been mostly healthy as a team so far this season, and I think that kind of pops for me compared to the Twins and the White Sox. You know, both of those well, teams have dealt with more. Well, that should help if you're being young, right? You should be a little bit healthier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not a Yankees podcast. We will never be a Yankees <laughs> podcast. But the thing that could still go That's the only horribly go wrong, wrong for the yes. Yankees yes. is just yes. the massive wave of injuries that you're always worried about with that roster being as old as it is. On the pitching yes. side, they're, they have the depth. I believe in Clark Schmidt and Michael King. And like I believe in some of their next level young guys. So I think on the pitching side, they can handle an injury too. It's the hitting side I'm not as sure about. Like Oswaldo Peraza is is one of their best uh, prospects, middle infield prospects. I do not believe in his bat. So, you know, I don't know that the next guy standing up. And like, you know, Miguel Andujar, you know, the forever depth guy wants out. <laughs> so they yeah. might have to trade for depth if they get injuries on the hitting side. Which, which they can. They can have a bad month. They just can't have that bad month when if Toronto gets hot, right? Or Boston gets hot. They've built themselves such a cushion. Or like a massive injury, like an ACL tear or something. Yes, they can't have Judge and Stanton out for the season. Yeah, sure. Kind of thing. But they can have these guys go on the IL and miss a week or two. Fine. They've built themselves such a big cushion that now it would take a, a confluence of factors, right? They'd have to have a ton of injuries. And some of these other teams would have to get hot, like really hot. Like Atlanta Braves hot yeah. to really kind of close the gap, which is exactly what's happened in the NL East. Galaxy brain it right now. Just try to, you know, bold prediction time. Like, is there a Braves squad? Is it the Braves? You know, like, is there is there another team that could go white hot in the second half? Because the Braves were a uh, 500 team in August. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the weird thing about the Braves' recent hot streak is before that, it wasn't like they were they hadn't even won three games in a row. So there was no no real like peripherals to suggest, hey, they're gonna go on this tear and win double digit games in a row. Yeah, I think sometimes like when when a team goes white hot like that, it's a little bit like the Cardinals in the second half, where yeah, we kind of laughed at your prediction and and then it, it held. You know, I think that it's bold prediction. It's it's almost like a just a feeling. Uh, could the White Sox yeah. just get right, you know, get Eloy up and yeah, that's a good prediction. They could win 12 of 13. Oh, and this sure. is again where, you know, I know that you doesn't show up in the numbers, but this is again where the clubhouse stuff matters, though. Uh, all it takes is a couple games, then these guys get on this roll, and they believe that they're never going to lose again. I mean, I've been around teams that, that honestly, it feels like they're not going to lose again when they're in these stretches. And then you've been around teams where it feels like, okay, how are they going to lose this game? And the players feel that, too. So um, I do think when it comes to these stretches, the, the White Sox are set up if they ever get fully healthy to reel off a bunch and really just take this thing way where they have this huge lead in the AL Central, right? And all of a sudden, the Twins and the Guardians are playing for second place. I think that's a really good pick. Yeah, I think that that could be one. I, and I guess it could be the Braves again. Uh, but lose, I mean, it, it would be crazy if they did it after losing another key bat, like they just lost Ozzy Albies. Yeah. You know, maybe that's that's what the key to, to their white hot runs is just losing one of their core core players. That's such a weird anomaly. I think that works on a multi-star team. You know, part of how Atlanta kept it together last year was having more than one star. Right. Like, that's a huge part of yeah. it. I, that's why I think a team like Tampa Bay 
misses Wander even more than just you, just by the numbers. Like it's that you don't have don't that have second have guy that quite like stars. that. Lau's the closest yeah. thing to it. He's out also. But the Rays yeah. would be my pick for that. By the way, just to bring it oh. full circle, the team that could get really yeah because Lau, Franco come up, Baz, McClanahan. Mm-hmm. Suddenly they're the team that we thought they could be all along, yeah. pushing for that division title. Like I thought they could be in that mix. I didn't think that was an unreasonable prediction. But I think the White Sox belong there because. Here's the thing. Someone brought this up uh, on Twitter. One of the listeners said the Twins have dealt with a ton of injuries, more more IL days lost than the White Sox. And yes, IL days are a way to track injuries. But who is missing that time matters, it's like right? Sano mostly. Right. Sano's missed a lot. And it's, some of the pitchers have missed time. And it hurts. It tests your depth. I'm not disputing Over. that. But when it's when it's Tim Anderson, when it's Moncada, yeah. when it's Robert. When it's everybody in the core group of position players, I think those injuries hit harder. That's why I still think that White Sox team, from a talent perspective, is very dangerous. The Twins are very good. I'm not the guy that's sitting here saying the Twins aren't good. Not that guy at all. I just think IL days themselves do not tell a complete story in terms of the importance of who was actually gone. We have this Brewers-Cardinals series happening right now. And I want to ask a question related to the one that, that Britt just threw out there. Could the Brewers be one of those teams that catches fire in the second half? Because they're stumbling right now. This is an important series, but not a critically important series, given the makeup of the rest of the division and how the NL kind of of looks right now. Injuries have piled up on the Brewers pitching-wise. Woodruff's working his way back. Peralta seems to be making a little better progress than they expected when he got hurt. Aaron Ashby just went on the IL this week. So that great six-man rotation they have has really taken some hits. Adames missed some time earlier in the first half he's back right now are they that sort of team that can just coast for a little while and then at the right time flip the calendar to august have everything fall into place we've seen some really good brewers teams in september during craig council's time there which i think was also a byproduct of expanded rosters and managing the bullpen the way that he was managing it but i mean are we are we realistic if we're looking at the brewers as a team that fit in this conversation Maybe. I don't know. I feel like we talk about the Brewers an inordinate amount. Um, <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I wonder why. Like, I wonder I why. <laughs> um, like, I wanted to mention the Padres because I feel like we never talk about them and they're an exciting team. Um, but every week we do a systems check on the Brewers. Um, I think- yeah, why not the Padres <laughs> to, to, to run off a bunch? Because, you know, the Tatis comes back. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think, too. As long as Machado is not sidelined for very long. I think the last thing I saw was that he wasn't limping and it's not a break. Yeah. But still, ankles can be pesky, right? He could he could change a swing. He could, yeah. you know, this is a guy having an MVP year. But Tatis was a guy who was, what, third in MVP last year? So imagine adding him to a team that's already playing well. Cronenworth is coming online in San Diego. Uh, he's He's been hitting again. And I think yes. there's signs of life with Trent Grisham. So, you know, the, it was for a while just Manny. <laughs> you know, yes. It was Manny and Eric. And then Eric Hosmer had a, uh, a June where he was 70% worse than league average uh, so far. So now it's just Manny. And if he's hurt, uh, you know, that gets a scary proposition. I think they're a candidate for either way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah. running off a ton of losses or a ton of wins. But, yeah. you know, I mean, with, with, with Milwaukee, it's just always, you know, can they, can they score? And I think uh, Willie Adams coming back is huge. Um, I think we've yet to figure out what the true talent of Willie Adams in, in Milwaukee is. 
um, because you know he he kind of arrived white hot, and yet the strikeout rate is still kind of high. Um, so I, I don't know that we know exactly who Willie Adams is, but he is better than um, you know the alternative, which is playing a lot of Jace Peterson, I think. Um, and then Colton Wong uh, coming back. I think there, there's a fair amount of sort of injury. And then, um, you know, there was a great piece by Andy McCullough about um, Lorenzo Cain and in those final days. And I thought it was uh, really a, a good piece because it captured that melancholy that you get with an, with uh, with veterans, you know, where you, you don't, you, you don't want to talk about it usually because it's like an elephant in the room where like the end of their career is coming. Um, and you kind of make jokes about age and I've now played this rodeo with two or three like retiring players. And, um, the fact that McCullough was kind of open about it with Lorenzo and got Lorenzo to kind of open up about it was, I thought, um, really impressive. And he captured that kind of like, I'm still having fun. This is still fun, but I'm not good anymore. (laughs) And I can tell, the end is here. Um, and uh, so I do think that the um, Brewers can be better without Kane's bat in that lineup. So more at-bats to Tyrone, Tyrone Taylor, more at-bats to um, uh, Willie Thomas being healthy, Colton Wong. There's a chance that the, the offense gets going a little bit. That's a team that desperately needs a trade, though. I was basically putting some bait out there, hoping one of you would cheerlead the team that I somehow still get to root for to actually be better than I think it is. I see the flaws. I think they're the same team they were a year ago with pitching injuries tacked on, and that's not a good thing. I think David Stearns has to pull maybe two rabbits out of his hat at the trade deadline if they're going to be a serious team in the playoffs this year. But the Padres seem like a center fielder in Milwaukee, a center fielder and something else, offensive center fielder like. Like maybe Brian Reynolds? Reynolds or Mullins. Keith and I talked about it yeah. on the Friday episode of the baseball yeah. show last week. And I'll throw the same question I threw at him to you. Who would you rather trade for, Reynolds or Mullins? It was 50-50 on the Twitter poll when I put it out there. Mullins. But that's just because of bias. I live here. I see him a lot more than I see Reynolds. Um, I think either would be an upgrade. I think unlike Cleveland, Milwaukee's in a division where they in, in a time where they should be making some impact moves at the deadline. This isn't like, oh, a whole bunch of young kids. This is a team that really underperformed last year. A lot of people thought it was going to go deeper into the playoffs. So why not go out there and make that move? And I also think uh, for Baltimore, Cedric Mullins is not going to be part of the next great Baltimore team. I know there's been some improvements in Baltimore, but they're not going to compete next year. You're maybe looking at 24-25 for that window. So Mancini, Mullins, even John Means, I know he's hurt now, so they can't trade him. Um, these are going to become tradable assets for them. Uh, I think if you're Milwaukee, uh, you you explore both of them. But to me, Mullins um, just has a lot a lot of things to like. Um, would be a significant upgrade for them. So now we're never going to talk about the Brewers because I already called out DVR on this show. <laughs> uh, but it does it does seem like every week there's a Brewers segment. Um, <laughs> Nah. Uh, maybe our listeners can chime in. They just come up more on this show than they do on other like national shows. That's all it is. Like we get them may- maybe every uh, other week. I'll, I'll I'll admit to every other week as an average. I'm sure they've come up three in a row though. There's a major difference defensively between the two. Cedric Mullins is a top fifty defender among all defenders, and uh, he's a plus three by outs above average. Uh, Matt, Brian Reynolds is 219th 
in outs above average uh, with a minus three. Um, and he basically rates the same as Kristen Yelich. So that would be kind of weird to put, it'd be like saying, well, let's put Kristen Yelich in center. Which yeah. Nobody, nobody's saying. So, yeah. um, and I, I wonder, doesn't Pittsburgh almost suddenly feel so closer to contention than Baltimore just by calling up O'Neill Cruz yeah. and Rosie Contreras? Like, oh, yeah. hey, this is a team. Yeah. I agree. I wouldn't. Re I, I think in the second half, I wouldn't want to play Pittsburgh a lot. I know that they're they're cir people circle them on the schedule, but uh, you know, there's there's definitely some improvement there. No, you guys are shaking your head. You're like you're you're full of it. I could see them yeah, just being yeah. a young team that goes 500 over the final two months and yeah. is a thorn in the side of teams trying to cruise into playoff spots. I could definitely and then see doesn't that. say trade Brian Reynolds because they're like, hey, maybe maybe we got something for him in here. I, I think yeah. that might have been old regime pirates i think new regime pirates would still have the appropriate balance of hey let's let's do what we can with reynolds right now because that still makes us a lot better for 24 and 25 and we think the window is is really going to open you know i think this is making me really sad i shouldn't have opened this page the brewers three best hitters by wrc plus this season are all backups. Victor Caratini, backup oh, catcher. No. Mike Brasso, backup infielder. <laughs> Keston Hira, part-time first base DH, occasional second baseman. Those are their three best hitters by WRC Plus right now. Yeah, forget trade deadline acquisitions. Can they just get vintage Kristen Yelich? Well, there's some underlying numbers that. that are good. Like the barrel <laughs> rates are getting there. Like there's, I, I know. It's like at some point you're like, shut up, you know, like we can't wait forever. It's not coming, but... I keep looking at him and saying, I don't know. It looks it looks better than last year, at least under the hood. You know, it looks like he's it looks like he's improving, but maybe he's just never going to be what he was. Yelich is like in his current state. When I see art and I just stare at it, and I'm like, I, I got nothing. I, I have no. <laughs> I can't figure it out. <laughs> this means a lot to the person that made it. This means a lot to the people that are looking at it that aren't me, and I'm staring at it, and I just, I, what is happening right now? <laughs> oh, that's a great analogy it is crazy because yeah his barrel rate is back to you know 10 percent, which is you know kind of back to his three-year peak and uh you know in terms of uh you know not chasing at balls he's he doesn't chase at balls his strikeout rate and his walk rate are good everything's good except for the results the other thing about this just think about this brewers cardinal series in progress they've split so far Brewers won the game that Corbin Burns started and the Cardinals won a game in which Dylan Gorman hit a couple of home runs. I look at the Cardinals offense and it's just flat out better than the Brewers. Paul Goldschmidt playing at an MVP level. Nolan Gorman looking like a rookie of the year candidate. Nolan Arenado had a great start, still well above average for the season. Very dangerous hitter in the heart of that order. The Tommy Edmonds step forward. You know, and I talked a bit about that on rates and barrels. They still got Dylan Carlson who could get better. And Dylan Carlson this season has a better WRC plus than Christian Yelich. This is making me ill. The difference between out, the guys. offenses of these teams. This is not, the gap should not be this wide. Now, I think the, at full strength, the Brewers pitching is a lot better than the Cardinals pitching. So that's where they can make mm -hmm. up the ground. But these are two teams with pretty different constructions right now that are both probably going to be making upgrades. I'd be surprised that these teams were, were quiet in the next six weeks. It's not going to be easy for either of them because, well, except for uh, Cardinals pitching, <laughs> I, you know, I, they could just get a pitcher. I think, you know, it almost doesn't matter. You know, I think just a yes. starting pitcher for them would be a, a, a huge thing. 
But uh, yes. But otherwise, uh, like if they if the Cardinals were going to try to upgrade this offense, it's a little bit like the Brewers were like, it's not clear exactly where, and it would have to be a clear upgrade. You know what I mean? Like it can't be a depth piece. Yepes is a a, a perfectly fine depth piece. You know, they they seem to be really good at turning out depth pieces. Uh, so either they package for a star, which they've done in the past. That's how they got Goldschmidt and Arenado. Or I think they just focus on the pitching side. Yeah, Frankie Montas, come on down. Yeah, even if you had pitching, though, their lineup is better than the Brewers, and that division doesn't have this clear, dominant team. So you are still you still feel pretty good if you're a Cardinals fan if they go and they add a starter and a reliever at the deadline, right? You're like, oh, here we go. I just hope that this roster hangs on because they do have a lot of old guys. They, I, I do wonder about Aceness. Like, I, I wasn't able to show that that matters in, in the postseason statistically, but I will admit that I'm like anybody else. I would rather have an ace. I would rather have two dominant, you know, starting yeah. pitchers going into a, a series. We just talked about how nobody would want to face the Rays because they would have these two dominant starting pitchers. Wainwright is capable still of ace-like outings because he just has that awesome curveball, and when the command is good on the other pitches, he can he can mix it up enough to 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 make it work. But you know, Michaelis is is all command. Hudson is all sinker baller. He beats every every projection system, every peripheral you want to look at. There's no peripheral that says that Dakota Hudson's a good pitcher. Uh, but he gets good results. But he just keeps getting good results. So uh, I I he, I remain stymied by him. But that's a place I would look to look at, to upgrade. Jake Jack Flaherty yeah. has not returned the same stuff uh, off of his injury. And Steven Matz, I think, is a prototypical five starter. Um, and I don't think Matt Libertor came up and showed us that he's an ace. I think he he's probably a pitcher that'll hang around and be a starting pitcher in the major leagues, but and be pretty decent. But I don't I don't think he's an ace. So so they're looking for an ace, and that's that's a little tough. The one thing about Montas and I just Oakland? I just had a conversation. I I love um, uh, the 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 old time scribes. Uh, you know. I love hanging out in the club out in the dugout and just talking about the team. I hadn't done that in a while because I've been sick and been traveling. Um, but uh, we were talking about Montas, and he said, "If if this is business as usual for the A's, they won't trade Montas because this is one of those reload years that they've had in the past, and they'll want to build a team next year that can possibly win, and they'll keep Montas." If that's the case, because he's under contract for next year, mm. and and the, the example cited was Sonny Gray. How long did we say Sonny Gray was going to get traded out of out of Oakland? Yeah, mm. that's a good point. Sonny Gray, the, the the way that they said it was, how many miles of ink were spent on Sonny Gray trade ideas out of Oakland before he was finally traded? Hmm. I Fair. just can't tell if There's it's business a- as usual, right? Like, I don't it, think it, does it feel, is. Yeah. This, this, it feels like extreme tank, and they hadn't really done the extreme tank before. Well, also, though, if you're going to extreme tank, and we've talked about this on the show before, the midseason trades aren't that great. You're better off waiting until the winter when the offers are the, the pool is bigger because every team thinks more teams think they can win. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think when I think at the type of player you're trading, when we talked about Juan Soto last week, Britt, if you're trading Juan Soto, you want everybody possible to be at the table if you're trading frankie montas i think you just need three or four interested teams and i think the number of teams that need pitching is high enough right now and the number of teams that have pitching to trade 
is low enough where I think you can get better returns on a starting pitcher like that than you can get on like a corner outfield bat. Like right? some of those players, like like first and first baseman too. Like the Trey Mancini return when that happens, people are going to be so underwhelmed by that. Mm-hmm. Left and right fielders usually that just hit and don't play very good defense. Underwhelming returns. I still think they could get a lot from Montas. And to Eno's point, this doesn't seem like your your basic. Let's paint the walls, change the carpet, change the light fixtures. This seems like, let's take some walls out. Let's redo the kitchen. Let's finish the basement. Yeah. The whole conversation was in response to me saying, this is the worst team I've ever covered. I think you're right. I think it is. I think it's it's <laughs> worst putrid. Team. It's very bad. And I, I don't think this is a... Look at the talent. They have good young players. I don't no, think they they're don't. competing next year. I don't think they have good young players. They don't have a bunch of guys getting opportunities in the big leagues right now that you look at and say, that's a future big leaguer on a playoff That's what team. I'm saying. Yeah, the, none of the young players, I, 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 I wouldn't build around any of them. They have guys that I mean, haven't I mean, debuted yet who are harsh. those players. I'm sorry to be harsh, but like Nick Nick Allen, Christian Pache, I'm sorry. Like I think they're all backups. No, I think like Soderstrom and Galoff and Langoliers, like those guys are oh, Okay, lower down maybe. Yeah. And if you want to hold on to Sean Murphy, that's weird because you already have another catcher coming. So I, I think this is still more tear down right now than than hold they'll hold murphy because first of all he's just not having the great season and i think he has better in him plus catchers you know you can't have too many catchers so all right we have uh time for one more segment oh no you know in brit's favorite dreading this this is favorite segment i know i was hoping to run out the clock is this like trivia or something (laughs) like because i i'm terrible with trivia all right i'll explain it again because it's important for everyone to understand why this is important to me, I guess. I, I Can don't really I know. Can I cheat? Is that, is that no, a... cheating is very frowned upon on this podcast I mean... in all forms. All right, here are my hands. Keep... <laughs> hands off the keyboard. Close that computer. <laughs> then you can't see me. <laughs> yeah, don't close the computer. That would cause some problems for me. So yeah. let's not do that. What we're looking for, we're looking for players. I have a, a leaderboard pulled up here. And I want players who in the past calendar year, so we're talking June 22nd of 2021 through June 22nd of 2022, who have 200 or more strikeouts. Pitchers with 200 or more strikeouts. All right. Are we Are we just going to, is it like one person names a name? There are 12 correct answers. Britt can go first. You alternate naming names and the game ends after one of you reaches three incorrect answers. Don't worry, you know, it'll be me. I'm terrible at these games. Ah, you got this, Britt. Go ahead. Uh, Max Scherzer. A narrow miss. See? <laughs> <laughs> too many injuries. Ah, yeah, too many injuries. Uh, All right, one strike for Britt. Really, though? Because he didn't miss that much time. I mean, if we're going from June, he's only been out for a couple weeks. We're talking about 200 strikeouts. How many does he have? You have the qualified thing. Really yeah, no, I got the. I checked the qualified the filter. It's he's not there. Wow. I'll get you a number wow. momentarily. So one strike for Britt. Uh, Garrett Cole. Cole is correct. He's got two twenty nine. Scherzer was the first person off the list at one ninety one. Okay, there you go. A very narrow miss. So all right, one oh Eno. Okay, Britt. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, two hundred Ks. Two hundred Ks. Past, past calendar, calendar year. year. Yeah, the issue with with now that Scherzer doesn't make the cut, like you think about other guys who have been hurt that are probably not going to make that cut. Um, what about Walker Bueller? Another narrow miss. He's got ah. 182. 
Dang. One per inning during that span. See? So, all right, two strikes for Britt. I told you, you know, I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at these games. This is right up my wheelhouse, though, because I have to rank pitchers all the time. So Shane McClanahan. He's the lowest on the list with 200, exactly. All right, two for Eno. Eno could probably name 10 names before I get one correct. How you many got are one. there? There are 12? There's 12. Eno's got two so far. All right, Brie, you got one here. Like, I have names of guys who strike out a lot of guys, but now I'm really, really hesitant. Two names on this list have been mentioned on this episode already. That is the that is the clue that I will offer. It makes it you make it even worse now. Oh, I have mentioned both of them. If that's a, a good sub clue, Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns. There you go. <laughs> Derek's always talking about Corbin Burns. You knew it, you knew it was going to be a brewer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Eno can still leverage that clue if he wants to. There's still one more that was mentioned earlier. I have a name that I want to use uh, that I think is a sneaky name. All right. I, All right. I think he. I think it's him. Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton is on here. Yes. 209 strikeouts. So Eno's up to three. Britt's got one. <laughs> You're absolutely crushing it. Uh, is Brandon Woodruff on that list? A narrow miss. 162. No. Yeah, a little bit of missed time. Who was the other guy you mentioned? I'm trying to think. Frankie Freddy Montas. Peralta. No. Oh. Frankie Montas is on there. I was, Frankie I was, Montas. Oh, I was, I was still thinking Brewers. I'm like, hey, it must be another Brewer. Frankie Montas is pitching really well over the last year and a half sub three era 204 k's and 186 innings well let's see how many more eno can get that are on this list grom's not right he's been hurt too much right he's not let's see if you know can run the table that's where my expectations are we had montas so we've got montas morton burns uh, cole mcclanahan montas morton mcclanahan you got five so far seven to go seven to go i'm like running through my top 10 pitchers most of these guys are good most oh i gotta all right i'm gonna take this i'm gonna take a hail mary because of that most comment adam wainwright no Uh. no (laughs) i wouldn't do that to adam wainwright adam wainwright's good yeah he's he's not on the list he's not on the list he's 42nd he's got 150 he's got 199 innings during that span but only 150 k's yeah, I was thinking a bulk thing, but yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. work. Um, oh, well, I've already got two strikes, so. So one more. I'm just trying to imagine my top 10. Just think about someone whose value comes mostly from that one category. Rodone? No, no he also ah, missed with some oh, injury in the second half of last is, year. Is, is strikeout guys like Chris Sale don't ever stay healthy yeah, a, lot a lot of these of guys. guys. Is Otani yeah. on that list? No, he's not on this list either. So at number one, we got a member of the White Sox rotation. Dylan Cease is number one. Dylan Cease has 245 strikeouts in the past calendar year. Is Shane Bieber on that list? Nope. Missed too much time. See, that's what I mean. The guys that I like kind of think of as. Here's one. This one's more fantasy circles or if you rooted for this this guy's teams, Robbie Ray is up here. That he's oh, he's always yeah. on strikeout oh. rate leaderboards, strikeout leaderboards at, at two forty two. Uh, Burns was third, Cole was fourth, Aaron Nola right there at five. He's no, one of those guys that always piles up the innings and gets the he's K's. In my top ten, two hundred and twenty seven. Yeah. Kevin Gossman two eleven. I didn't see that one. I, I saw him it. as like a one ninety. Gossman and 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 C's pissed yesterday. It should have been in my head. Mm. <laughs> Morton at seven. Zach Wheeler was at eight. 207 Weird. Ks. Oh, an, oh. E- an Eno guy at number nine. Eno, I'm 
I'm a little disappointed. Just a little. Sandy Alcantara, uh, 204. Oh, just read about him this morning. Andy That's amazing, too, because I was told he doesn't strike oh. guys out. Yeah, he, he um, this this list says he does. Like this, <laughs> this this particular sheet that I have in front of me, this screen. <sighs> I told you, this, this game is hard. This game is really hard. Especially because it's, it's these arbitrary endpoints, too. So you have to really kind of like just put all the pieces together in the moment. Uh, Montas, we got at 10. Shane McClanahan was at 12. Here's the other surprise at number 11. Tyler Molly, 202 strikeouts with a 420 ERA. Worst ERA of anybody in the group. But over 200 Ks over the past calendar year. You could have given me 50 guesses and I wouldn't I have I would love, him. if I was on another team, I would love to get him out of Cincinnati. I would it, love to see what he can do in a different part. That's another guy that will, I think, pretty reasonably get traded. I think there's a better chance than not not to Toronto, trade. though. Not to Toronto. It, Toronto's not a great place to pitch, but anything is no, no, pretty much going to be an upgrade. Uh, oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, he won't. <laughs> well, they won't trade for him. If Yes, he cannot He cannot pitch in Toronto. If he's not eligible to pitch there, they won't trade for him. Right. Sure. Not the AL East, then. I don't want someone has to go there and miss games, you know? Yeah. That is going to do it for this episode of the 3-0 Show. If you're enjoying this show, take a moment to leave us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can always drop us an email. Use the Rates and Barrels email, ratesandbarrels at theathletic.com, or send us tweets at Enoceris, at Britt underscore Giroli, at Derek Van Riper. We're always happy to take questions that way for future episodes. If you'd like to get a subscription to The Athletic and get one for a dollar a month for the first six months, at theathletic.com slash baseball show. The Athletic Baseball Show returns on Friday. At the 3-0 show, you've always got the green light. 